space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're still talking about Voyager. We're back. We've got another two. Wow. Ooh, I nearly slipped up. I nearly said we've got another two from season one, but there's a bit of contention over 37s. Technically, it's always packaged as part of season two, but it was filmed part of season one. Yeah. But, it's the opening episode of season two, how it's on Netflix now. And it's, yeah, and it's always been that way with DVDs and everything, but. Because it came out on VHS in the UK as part of season one, I always think of this as the season one finale, so I'm sticking to that. And I think it works better as a finale anyway, but we'll... Um... I was thinking that this would have worked brilliantly as a, se- as a season one finale, especially if you cut the last two minutes and put them onto the first episode of season Ooh, two. Oh, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would have been a good one. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that when we... Um, when we dig through the episode, I I don't think we've got a lot of Star Trek news this week. I think we keep getting reports no, that Strange New Worlds has apparently started filming, but we haven't had any pictures or anything like that. So it's um, we've we've yeah. not we've not got any production shots yet. I'm sure they'll come at some point, but it's been yeah. There's nothing, yeah. There's like there's a couple of YouTube uh, channels that do. Weekly Trek news updates, and they're basically just doing the same stuff. And yeah, then they, and they even pulling out like we did last week with their uh, Scott Bakula. Oh yeah, yeah. Story. They're even pulling up them ones and going, well, there's these rumors and these rumors because there isn't anything actually. Yeah, the o- <laughs> the only thing on the Bakula thing is because he's doing. Um... Is it one of the NCIS series that he does at the minute? It's, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of them. NCIS New Orleans. And that's wrapping up. Like, I don't think it's been cancelled. I think they just chose not to renew it or whatever. But It has been going for a yeah, long, Yeah, exactly. Long, quite... That's the thing. I don't think of a show as getting... Once you've gone past about six or seven seasons, it's not really cancelled. It's just... Yeah. You've well, run... Well, like uh... NCIS is on something like season... 15 or 16 now. Yeah, it gets silly, doesn't it? So, but either way, whichever one it is he's doing has finished. So I think people are going, oh, he's a free agent again. It could be that, like... Yeah, I, I think, I think also... We've, we were having, having Star Trek Picard, and then Kate Mulgrew coming back as yeah, a, yeah. Captain Janeway. They all sort of going, oh, are they bringing back all the old yes. captains in some way or other? And I'd be up for it. If they, if they do have Archer in Strange New Worlds, that'd be really cool, but it remains to be seen anyway, doesn't it? If it's done right, I have no problem. If the And as we've said this before with cameos, I'm really happy with the cameo if it's done right and it yeah. serves a purpose. Oh, yeah, exactly. But just putting someone there for the sake of having that name there yeah. is sort of a bit... It doesn't really need it, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see. It'd be interesting, but until Scott Bakula or one of his representatives says something, I don't think we've got um, a right lot to go on at the minute. But yeah, so that that's that's about it for the news, really. So let let's go back and look at some 
some old Voyager episode. I was going to say classic Voyager episode. To be fair, I do think Faces is a really, really good episode. I think that it might be my favourite from season one. I'm not sure. I think it's one of the stronger season one episodes yeah, of Voyager. Yeah. It's another Phage episode. And yeah. Like I said, said not last week, because we did the special last week, but last time when we did the Phage and the Doctor's one, Life Signs. I think the Phage are a really interesting villain. And here, the shown has been proper villains. Oh, yeah, this is really, really, really dark, really ghoulish in this episode, yeah. the way they're, they're portrayed. And it's a it's a really sort of arresting opening. Like, we start with the Vidians, and they've got a full Klingon Belana, so it's a... It, yeah, but she's, um, she's also almost... Looks like she's almost crucified how they've got her oh, yeah. up. Didn't even on an operating bed or anything. She's <laughs> no, exactly. It's a really sort of arresting opening to the episode. It's a great hook for the as you go into the credits and everything. So we've we've talked about this in the past. Like with the nineties Trek shows, sometimes the opening teaser wouldn't do a very good job of teasing. It'd just feel like they've just filmed the first five minutes of the episode and then dropped the credits in. Whereas, yeah. You get ones like this where it is a really good book for the rest of it. Good. Yeah. And then after the credits, then we get there's some cute stuff with Neelix and he's he's making plumeek soup for for Tuvok. And I quite like the the interaction between the characters because Tuvok, and I suppose it's logical because he knows that Neelix's food isn't always that great. But he really don't want to eat this plumeek soup from well, the start. Yeah, he's sort of dubious. And when it turns out that Neelix has altered this to make it taste different as well, and Tuvok, I think he's quite right. He goes, well, you've totally dis- taken away the yeah. aspect reminding me of home. You've, if you've made something different, if you've how it was is how it's meant to be, and that yeah. remind me of home. But you adding a load of spices and different flavours. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's not what I know of home. You do get, I mean, like, go, going back to pre-lockdown days when we were allowed to to go for dinner at other people's houses, but uh, my father-in-law often does this. Like, he'll ring, if we're going on a Sunday for Sunday dinner, he'll ring us up and say, what do you fancy? And Chloe will say something like, oh, you know, uh, how about lamb? And he'll go, all right, I'll do, I'll do a, a joint of lamb. And you think, right, we're going to go for a joint of lamb and, you know, all the trimmings and all this. And you go, and he's like, well, I were doing it, and it, it smelled a bit boring, so I've put garlic, I've put chilli, I've put this, I've put that. <laughs> and you end up with this thing where you might as well have not even said lamb, because it could be any meat after all this stuff that he's whacked on it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's nice. I like garlic and chilli, but... Um, yeah, sometimes it can lose the the flavour of the original dish, can't it? And I think, I, I agree with you. I depends, think two Vox right. It depends what you're doing. It's like, if you're doing a lamb stew, give me a lamb stew because I love lamb stew. Yeah. But don't throw garlic, chilli, ginger <laughs> and that into lamb stew. Yeah, exactly. It, I might still enjoy it, but it's not a lamb stew anymore. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, we're with Tuvok on this one, man. <laughs> And um, the they start with this thing of they there's been an away team and they've been on the planet and they've had to go away and come back and all this business and they have these scans and Harry's got this little display on his pad 
and it's showing these tunnels that have moved. And this sort of comes back later on, like, where they're saying, oh, it's all force fields and blah, 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 blah. And I did wonder, like, well, is that going to show on a pad the same way? Because it looks like somebody's drawn the rocks and everything on this thing on the pad. <laughs> and it, it just, I'm, I'm not quite sure it, it stacks well, up, but... Well, what got me was that, like, the phase is only a few episodes before this. Yeah. I think five or six episodes earlier. So yeah, a month yeah. and a half in Star Trek timelines, how they work. And they've forgotten that. The, <laughs> yeah. like, the Vidians, uh, the underground structures had force fields to change the walls, etc. Yeah, that, it. that was their whole that sort thing. Of ring a bell. Have we seen anything like this already in the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. But, <laughs> and like, I know this is a bit of a sort of a metatextual thing, but... The caves do look very similar, and I know it's because they filmed on the same set, but, you know, yeah, you'd think it'd ring a bell with somebody, but yeah. anyway, so they go down to it, and Harry's got this idea, we're going to follow breadcrumbs like Hansel and, is Hansel and Gretel, yeah, it is, isn't Gretel, it? Yeah. Yeah. I like, again, we've talked about, um, this is sort of early Harry when he's still optimistic and still thinks that his contributions matter and that everybody's going to be really happy with him. But he does seem to come up with these pretty cool solutions every now and again. And it, you to do... be fair, Harry comes up with a lot of solutions to a lot of problems all the way through yeah, the show. Yeah, you do wonder. It's a shame he didn't get promoted, really, because he is, um, he yeah, is he a def- good, capable officer. He it. Yeah. It has just become a joke, hasn't it, with him, bless him. Anyway. Yeah. So Belana, the Klingon then, <coughs> she's not impressed with being fully Klingon, or she doesn't seem to be at first. Well, well, no, well, she said, what have you done to me, and you've altered me, and... Now, did you think, I think it, it calms down as the episode goes on, but I think the way she delivers the lines as a Klingon at first is really weird. It's- in really slow motion. Yeah, like, <laughs> at first I was thinking, is it because they've given her, like, new teeth, like Klingon teeth? Sometimes actors I... struggle with them. Well, she's also got to put a voice on, hasn't she? Yeah, make her so, voice sort of but, deeper. But she seems to be speaking, like, it's like, it wasn't, like, actually slow motion. She sort of said one word, then the... Next word. Yeah, it's sort of like William Shatner kind of school of or the way that we when we when we mock William Shatner, the way yeah, that that's done. Shatner puts a few words together between pauses. That's true, actually. You're right. He does. It's more. She, she, she's. It's almost a pause between every word. It, yeah. it is really. It's more more um, Christopher Walken than William Shatner. It's going even yeah. further down that scale. But yeah, I I've not noticed it when I've watched yeah, this episode yeah, in the past it is, where it did. It's it's really bad at the start of it. Yeah, but it does seem it does seem to calm down, doesn't it, as the episode yeah, goes it does on. Calm down as, as the episode goes on. Yeah. She gets better at doing the Klingon voice or whatever. It seems to be, yeah. And I like the 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 whole setup for it is that the Klingons seem to be immune to the phage and that's why they've got Belana. Um, yeah, like at this point, we don't know. We haven't seen yet the human Balana. We think no, it's just no. this Balana that they've just extract. 
altered in yeah. DNA. And that's the way the episode plays it until the reveal of human Bilana. So, and crucially as well, both Bilanas think that they're the only one. Yeah. They don't realise they've been separated until they meet. So, yeah, it's, it's, I like the way that's all set up and the way it pays off. It's very clever. So they also, we find out at this stage that they've infected her as well. Which is yeah. a really kind of sinister moment where it's well. Yeah, I, I believe. I believe. It's so, like what's his name? Sauron. I'll go with that. I can't remember yeah, the guy's it, name. It's, that, it's something like that. It's sort of they do this loads. There's loads of this in Star Trek where there's Sauron and Sauron and Sauron and Sauron and, and, and yeah. yeah. And this is another one. It's something like S O R A N. So right. Sauron, I'm gonna call him because he says, "I believe that." The Klingons are immune to the phage. How do you intend to find this out in slow motion? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've injected you with it. <laughs> yeah. Is that like, I suppose, you know, from their perspective, it's, well, we're trying to cure this. We haven't got time to be mucking about, so <laughs> let's get it injected. But it is pretty sinister. Yeah. And like you say, it's more, I know they stole Neelix's lungs last time, but... It's more outwardly aggressive, really, than we saw them last time. Well, yeah, the, this whole thing is more aggressive. Like, we also switch around now that we find out that they've also captured Tom and... Yeah, uh, the other guy, Durst. The other, uh, yeah, Durst, the other lieutenant. The lieutenant who incidentally outranks Tom Paris. Ah, yeah, yeah. okay. He, he outranks him because he's a full lieutenant. Uh, and Tom's junior grade, yeah. Which, yeah. So, and yet you wouldn't believe it because Tom gives the orders all the way and through. He makes, he makes a thing, does Tom, of saying, like, I'm the senior officer here and you take me what? rather than... Because I've got loads of notes for this episode saying how impressed I was with Tom taking the leadership yeah. role. But, but Yeah, but he isn't actually the... Uh, he isn't actually the senior officer. Oh, well, that's ruined it then, hasn't it? But <laughs> you're right. They, they, so they should have made that guy an ensign. He, he has a senior position on the ship because yeah. he's helm, but he isn't the senior officer. You're right, yeah. So, yeah, that's really weird because there's some really good stuff with Tom in the episodes. <laughs> Until you realise that he's actually committing a mutiny or being <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he was in jail for, you know, but, um, but yeah, like there's a bit where he's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna track the guards' movement, we're gonna keep an eye on that, and we're gonna, and there's all these confrontations where he's like, you talk to me, and I'll go, and yeah, so but yeah, that is undermined a bit by the fact that he shouldn't be doing it. You're right, and um, he, along with the prisoners, then we get another Talaxian. And I, yeah. I think this is the first time we've had another Talaxian. Yeah, um, yeah, it's up until nearly at the end of season two before we get any more Talaxians. Yeah, I, I, I would guess that that's because the makeup's a difficult job. I mean, it uh, is it, the makeup a difficult job. I, I feel like Neelix has got. He's sort of got everything going on into like usually you might get yeah. a bump on the forehead, but Neelix has got the bumps, he's got a nose, he's got, he's got like facial sticky hair out and... bits of hair, he's got contact lenses, he's yeah. got the lot. Um so I do wonder if maybe that's why we don't see him too often. But but I quite like this guy. I like the way 
what this actor does with it. Like, it gives it almost a bit of a... Kind of a bit of a slimy edge to him. Like, I don't trust this guy. Yeah, I get that feeling. There's something about him. And it's like he says, the way to survive in here is to stay healthy. Yeah. Because the one... They're too weak themselves because of the face to work the mines. So I don't know what the mining, and that's never revealed what the mining. No, but probably but, dilithium. They had dilithium last time, so. Yeah. But yeah, so, it's... Whatever, the mining. But he goes, I've been here six years. Yeah, that's but a long re- time. The rest of my crewmates, there was 29 of us, they've all gone. Yeah, because like, they... And, and again, it's great world building for the idea of the Vidians and society. So it's like, when you're strong, we'll have you digging tunnels, and then once your body's spent, we'll take all your organs. And Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's horrible. It's Yeah, it's really, really... It's, yeah, you'll be taken to... Like they, they say, it, you, they call it organ processing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like the Talaxian says, don't try to... You, there's no point trying to run, because they can literally stay... Take your heart in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. With the transformer thing, uh, transporter things rather. Yeah, and it, it, it is—it's building on everything that we got in the first appearance, but it is dialing up the nastiness, dialing up the darkness of them, and yeah. everything. Like in the first one, we just had a, a pair of them who, when it was necessary, they, they harvested organs to keep the other one alive. But here we've got them—they literally have the capturing people. As slave labour, as soon as they get too weak, they just start harvest all the organs. Yeah, exactly. This is literally an organ farm. Yeah. So it's it's excuse when we did the uh, phage episode a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, they're really nasty, the Vidians. And you were saying, well, in this episode, and I think my memories of the Vidians come mainly from yeah. how we see them in this one. So then, like you said, we get the the reveal of human Bilana. And I think this is a really good performance from Roxanne Dawson. Like, she really does differentiate between the two of them. Well, there's also, uh, did you know that Durst is playing two characters? I didn't until I looked it up, no. Yeah, he's he's playing the Vidian. Yeah, which that's that's clever. That's how you do it. Did you also know that he's... Um, played two other characters in Star Trek. No, is um is in DS Nine in the for the card that one where they're getting the baseball card. He's oh, the yeah. doctor who has that silly machine that relaxes oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, your stuff. It is also in a um, TNG in that season seven episode um, where Wolf's brother sort of oh, rescues yeah. the villagers. All right, he's, so... he's the village elder. Right, so this guy gets been, about a so, bit then. Yeah, so he's at, so he has four Star Trek characters. That's it? not bad. And like you say, two of them from this episode. But that's really clever that they do that. Like, right, we'll have the same guy playing the Vidian so that when he puts his face on that, yeah. that makes sense. But then it's kind of so you've got him with his normal face. Then they put Vidian makeup over it. Then they put makeup of a human face over the top of it to make him sort of look like what he'd look like if he didn't have any makeup on. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. I like that I like that they've done that with the casting. I think that's clever. Um so human Belana then, so we get a bit from her and we start to get a lot about Belana's background in the episode. 
Like, she talks about how she had to hide her forehead and she came up against prejudice and everything. Yeah, but she she also says that she hid her forehead and all this because when her dad left, she assumed that he left because she looked Klingon. Yeah, which we, which we don't know that that's the case. It's implied that she's grown up and realised that it probably wasn't, but... Yeah, don't we find it? I think we find out in a much later episode that that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, it seems some... very strange that he's embarrassed that his daughter looks slightly half Klingon, yet he had no problem with his wife being full Klingon. Yeah, you wonder what he would have expected having a baby with a Klingon woman. <coughs> uh, yeah, you'd think he'd have anticipated that she might look yeah. a little bit. Klingon. But he obviously has no problem with how Klingon women look. No. I mean, like you say, if he's married one, so he obviously yeah. doesn't. Yeah, like you say, it, I think you're right. I think they do come back to it. But I like all the the added characters to Belana and everything. And then we go back to the away team, so they're looking for them. This is, like we've said, where they're, they're going around these tunnels and they, they realise it's the Vidians, it's the same power signature. It's like, okay, yeah, may, maybe you could have worked it out a bit earlier, but never mind. Didn't you think this scene looked really strange? Because you've got um, Tuvok and Chakotay, and they're walking <laughs> along a path, and then it pans out, and underneath them, so you assume there's uh, Ensign Kim, so you assume he's quite a long way behind them, mm. and he's just put the tracking thing on the wall, and he, he shouts up, I've, I've got the last tracking device in place. It's good work. It's like, what, couldn't you do that while he kept up with them? All you're doing <laughs> yeah. is going, he's putting the thing on the wall. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe it takes some, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's. I'm I, sure... I don't know if they did it to try and give a sense of scale of. Yeah, that's like, what I'm thinking. Is... There was... But surely the away team would stick together. You'd like, think have so. A Jaco- this looked to me like Jacoti and Tuvok have wandered off. In this cave system that we know changes shape. Yeah, and we know that we've already the lost... The guy leaving the trail behind. Yeah, we've already lost three crew members <laughs> on this planet. Um, yeah, it would, I'm sure it'll have been done for some reason backstage, like you say, to give a sense of state, scale. Or... I think what it could be is actually Chakotay hates Harry Kim. No, that one's And that's why he stays at Ensign all the way through. He's taking this opportunity slightly to try and get rid of him. Ah, uh, so it's it's Chakotay keeping him down, yeah, not and Janeway. Every time conversation got between him and Janeway, I think it's no, no, he doesn't deserve any promotion. Keep him as an ensign. Do you remember that one time he did this wrong? Yeah, he hung back too far when we were putting them trackers out on the Vidian planet, <laughs> and it's just not good enough. His breadcrumbs idea, it just don't fly. <laughs> but yeah, or he's making up like, um, so Jane Wales say, I want to do the promotion. And as we know from TNG and everything, it's the first officer who does the crew evaluations. So yeah, yeah Chakotay will be like, no, well, when he came in for his evaluation this month, you won't believe some of the stuff he were telling me. So I think you're right. I think we need to keep an eye on this. The yeah. The interaction between Chakotay and Kim, yeah, definitely. And so Belana then, Klingon Belana, tries to seduce the Vidian. And the Vidian, sort of the, the Hurst Vidian, and he realises that she that he disgusts her and all of this. So that's interesting again with the Vidians, but it does go back to what we talked about last time, which is 
they've had this for two was it two thousand years or two thousand generations yeah. they said two thousand years I think they said so they've had it for two thousand years so like they're all they all look like this so it's like we've said why hasn't the Vidian's sense of what beauty is changed yeah. over time because if everybody looks like this then yeah, this should be the norm. Naturally, you're not going to be repulsed by it because yeah. used to how it looks. Unless there's something really oppressive in Vidian society where they they're just constantly telling everyone how ugly you all are. But it's it, it's really yeah. it's like unless the, unless it's something to do with like the children are born fine and they see them have to have all these graphs maybe. over time. And maybe it's something that. You don't have all the graphs until your late teenage yeah, years so or you, early adulthood. So you do so build up a does, sense of... So you do pick up a sense of I've been disfigured. But again, you'd think that society would adapt to that and would go, well, this is what you look like when you're young. This is what you look like yeah. when you're... It's like the the ugly duckling, isn't it? You know, it's like the ugly duckling only looks ugly because it's with ducklings and it's not a duck, yeah. it's a swan, you know. So, yeah, it's a weird one. But anyway, and... Um, Human Balana then, when it all kicks off with Paris and Hurst, and, and this is where Tom's saying, well, I should go because I'm the ranking officer, but you've, you've pointed out that he's wrong there. So yeah, he's just got delusions of grandeur, obviously. So, um, well, we've also got to find fault with uh, Durst here because at no point does he pull rank on him. He no, just lets him carry point. on. And Balana, Human Balana. Oh, sort of has like a panic attack, which I think, again, Roxanne Dawson, I think, acts it really, really well. And it's so different to see Belana like that. Like, all of a sudden, she's just terrified yeah. of the situation. I think it's really, really well done. Yeah, and, and, and she starts to realise that losing the cling on half of her, she has lost something of herself. Yeah, because she'd always thought it would be better to... To be yeah. just the human because she resents the Klingon side. But yeah, and she's physically weak as well, not just... Yeah. I get the sense, though, that that is partially because of the procedure, like, because she seems weak even for a human. It's not just yeah. that she's not yeah, used she's to been, being this yeah, weak. Had, well, she has had a major procedure, hasn't she? She's had half of her ripped out. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. And the... But the the Klingon it doesn't doesn't seem to have been affected by that. But maybe that's just because Klingons are much hardier than um, maybe because the Klingon side is the really strong side. Yeah. Also, I suppose Klingons have like redundant organs, don't they, and things yeah. like that. So presumably, this is the first time Belana's had to function with only one liver or one. Yeah, you know, possibly. Yeah, whatever. I haven't thought of that. Actually. No, I just I thought, thought of that now, um, but. Lana has all the redundant organs. Oh, she would at least have. You would guess she'd have some of them, but yeah, been half. I don't. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I love the contrast between the two Belanas, and um, obviously Klingon Belana kicks off and beats up the Hurst Talaxian guy. Not Talaxian, sorry. Uh, I've got myself totally messed up in my notes here. So human, yeah, no Klingon. She does. It's the Talaxian that she. After she's escaped, so she beats up the Hurst Vidian, but then she does rough up the Talaxian as well in the yeah. caves. She's like, you know, where is, where are they? Where's and she, like you said, she's expecting to it to be Tom 
but she, you know, it's yeah, like there was come. a woman with him, and that's when she starts to realise something is amiss. And you've got like the contrast between the two of them. So Klingon Bilana's going around beating everybody up, <laughs> and human Bilana's trying to hack into the system and use her use her mind, use her engineering skills and everything. And then it come you get this first sort of instance of they actually need each other because Klingon Bilana saves human Bilana from the guards and everything. But then the human one faints when she realizes what's happened. Yeah. So that's all pretty cool. And we get a bit where they're by a campfire and they have a bit of a... I was going to say a bit of a heart-to-heart, but it's not really. It's more of an argument, isn't it, between the two of them? Yeah. Well, she even says that. You do realise we're arguing with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's it. Because you realise that's what's going on and then, yeah, they do spell it out for you. Like, no, this is the two sides of it. And it... It made me wonder at this point, I was like, how interesting would it have been if they'd have done this story with Spock and had a human Spock and a Vulcan Spock and got to explore that? Like, I think that could have been interesting. I think this works better, actually, with the Klingon than... Uh... Oh, I think it does, but it, it just makes me think that would have been an interesting thing to do with Spock as well. Well, we did see Spock with emotions, we didn't did, we, yeah. at times? So, but well, I think having, like, the weak human side and the strong Klingon side together. Oh, yeah. It's, it, the, the contrast is, yeah, yeah, makes it very good. And they, they sort of come to a bit of a sort of a ceasefire because it's human Bilana's got a better plan. Like, her plan's a lot more practical. It has a lot more chance of working. But she needs the muscle to actually pull it off as well. So yeah. they both have to concede a little bit that okay, your plan's better, but you need me, and yet my plan is better, but I can't do it without you, sort of thing. And then I'm going to actually give some praise to Chakotay now in this episode, which I don't often do, but I like when he's pretending to be a Vidian, and I think he does some good, like, thinking on his feet here, because the guy, like, questions him, and he goes... Well, wait a minute, why haven't I been told you tra- you transferring prisoners? And he goes, Well, I thought you had. Which I thought yeah. that that's pretty good, Chicote, well done. And then I don't recognise you. I've just had my face regrafted. Yeah, exactly. Oh, which, well done, now, Chicote. I think that'd be a normal I think that'd be a normal thing in Vidian society where yeah, yeah. the would change quite regular and and not recognise each other. So they'd have to have a different way that they recognise yeah, each other. I, I thought about that. So it'd be like, oh, yeah, you're all right, Steve. Well, yeah, I've, I've got a different ear since last time we spoke. Yeah, I've had, me, I've had me ear and nose done. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a Klingon head now. And <laughs> what about your internal organs? Oh, I've got Talaxian lungs, but we had to give them back. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't have to give them back, did they? They made some new made some new ones yeah so but yeah but i thought you know well done chakoti that's showing that he's you know he can be capable and things like that so i thought i'm gonna give him some praise because i don't often give chakoti praise so there you go that's my chakoti moment for the for the episode (laughs) and then it all all obviously comes to a head and everything they manage to shut down the force field but klingon bilana gets shot and we go, we finish on the ship and we've got the doctor has to basically, human Bilana assumes that that's it. She's going to stay as a human for the rest of her life yeah. now. And 
Obviously, we're not going to do and, that. Well, then the doctor goes, oh, no, it's okay. I've uh, regrafted some of your Klingon DNA on it. It'll take about five weeks and you'll be back to normal. Yeah, which will be oh. time for next episode, but yeah. Did you think of asking her? Well, he says that she can't survive without it. Yeah. Because um, of amino acids or something like that. But but you're right. Yeah, you'd think she would have been... Yeah, at least have the discussion. Like, yeah, well, that... they, don't, they don't seem to have any of this moral problem, do they, in Voyager of uh, re-splicing? No, no like, true. Just look at Tuvix. Well, yeah, and I think we should get to that episode at some point, because that is... Uh, yeah, one that's endlessly debated, but um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So yeah, I mean, it could have added. I know where it's a packed episode as it is, but yeah, it could have added another wrinkle to it with it being okay. You, you get to choose to either stay as a human, but you won't live very long, or we can put the Klingon back in and you get to live. Yeah, um, to be fair, I to be fair, actually, how this. How this episode has been playing out, the Klingon Balana has realised that she needs the human yeah, Balana. Yeah. And the human Balana has realised she needs the Klingon Balana. So I think it had pretty much played out. You're right, yeah, it would have stepped on the toes of it. We've all yeah. we've already done that arc by the time we, we get to it. So yeah, I think you I think you're right. Like the the conclusion does need to just wrap it up and Yeah. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. And I thought, like, as I say, I think the central performance or performances by Roxanne Dawson were brilliant in this one. I did like all the, the Tom stuff until you pointed out that he was being a bit of an insurrectionist. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think that's one of the strongest of season one. Um, yeah, it's a good season one episode. So let's move on then and we'll talk about what is kind of the season one finale, but also the season two premiere, the 37s. Yeah, so the thirty sevens. Like I remember, I remember seeing the the trailer for this one. Um, I remember being really excited about this one because we all knew it was that we were going to see a starship land for the first yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And, and by this, we've gone through TOS, all TNG, three seasons of DS Nine, a season of Voyager, and we're finally going to see a starship land. Like I remember. Watching and taping me when it was on, and I was looking forward the following day after work, being in pub, because there was another guy who went in where I was drinking that was also a big Star Trek fan, All right. and he was also the first person I could talk to about this episode. Right, cool. Yeah, I remember, said so the big thing, like you said before the episode, was we knew this was going to be the ship lands, because we knew that was the thing. It was like the Enterprise D had the saucer separation. Yeah. Whereas the thing about Voyager was going to be that it could land on planets. So it's, in a way, it's a little bit, I mean, the, the effects and the sequence where it does it and everything's really cool. But it kind of has to do it for a pretty lame reason. It's just like, oh, yeah, we, 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 can't, we can't take shuttles and we can't beam. So, you know, it's not like they've got to make an emergency landing or anything like yeah. that. Well, but, I think... Like, they didn't do it very often after this, which is a shame. Yeah. But I think it was sort of played that. I think they intended to do it more often after Yeah, this. I think they did. And and again, but that's like the source I, I of think, separation. I think if you're going back to, like, the original series, the, 
the reason that they came up with uh, transporters mm. was that they literally couldn't afford to land a spaceship on the planet every week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think what you've got to is with this is that it was an expensive shot to do. Yeah. So you couldn't afford to do something like this on a weekly basis. But you think they'd learn from the source of separation in TNG, which, again, they were meant to do that a lot more, but they end up doing it, like, three times or whatever because of the expense of it. But I don't know whether it's because this is CGI and they thought, oh, it'll be cheaper to do it more often, but... Well, I think this was still done with model. Was it? I don't think this was CGI. Yeah, I'm quite sure this wasn't a CGI shot. Ah, like right. Voyager, Voyager had CGI titles, but most of Voyager was still done with models, with miniatures. Oh, that does explain it then, if that's the case, because, yeah, you're yeah. right, it would be. So, let, while we're talking about the the ship landing then, let's get on with the other bit about it. The weight distribution on the ship do not look right when it lands. Because you get them them little legs come out of the the star drive section, but you've got this whacking great big saucer at the front, and it looks like the saucer should pull it over. Yeah. And um, so I'm yeah. assuming I'm assuming it's got something to do with inertial dampers and inertial dampers. They do say set inertial dampers to local gravity. Could be that. that. So I've got a feeling or, it's all to do with. Or it could be that the warp engines just weigh a lot more than the rest of the ship. It's like yeah, really. Like, let's be fair. Yeah, the engineering hull probably weighs a lot more than the saucer, the saucer drive. Yeah, but it, it yeah, does. The so- saucer drive is big, but a lot bigger. But it probably weighs a lot less. It does look weird when you. I mean, it looks awesome. Yeah. It landed on the thing, but then when you do look at it, you're like, that looks like it should. Anyway, um, what, like. What I love about this episode, when it lands, is we actually get, in a normal daylight lighting, what Voyager's colours are. Yeah, yeah. So from a model building point of view, this is an awesome episode to actually look at what colours things are. Yeah, definitely. a lot of the space shots to do for Voyager, the ship is darker, which is a lot more realistic than it is. Mm. When they do the space shots, and rightly so... They don't have it brightly lit because it wouldn't be a bright light source. But mm. now it's on the planet. We get it in nice sunlight and you can see the colours of what they're meant to yeah. be. No, like you say, for building models, it's um, definitely better. Like, I remember I got a, a model kit of DS9 like way back in the day, sort of when DS9 had just started. And the colours that it told you to paint it, I was like, well, this isn't right, so it, it isn't that colour, but it were obviously the colours that the model wore. But yeah. like you say, because of the lighting, that's not how it appears on screen and everything. So, yeah, you're right. Well, it's really cool it's to like, see it like that. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing the TOSM Enterprise I'm building at the moment. Yeah. And I sent you a thing. Which colour did you think I should go with? And one of them's screen accurate, yeah. or as close as I could get to screen accurate. And the other one is what colour it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> and I've yeah. gone with fair screen. How it? I've gone with trying to look at how it looks on screen as opposed to... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because that's... that's what I... That's how I see it. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're used to looking at. It's... Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so the actual episode then, before we we get to the landing, it's quite an intriguing opening where we found a bit of rust in space, then we find some gasoline in space, and then we find a truck. And Chakotay has never heard of gasoline, which I do find a little bit weird. Yeah. But I know they don't um, use it anymore, but surely it's I, something you don't know. I'm trying to think. I like we're talking 400 years ago. Like, what technologies might have been around in 16th century that normal that, that, the, I, that people wouldn't know of? I, well, that's it. I don't think like these stuff like they used to burn peat and stuff like that. But yeah. it wouldn't be like we'd go. Oh, I've never heard of that. Would be like, well, you don't want to burn that. So it's bloody toxic, you know. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of them. It's one of them ones that Star Trek often do, and they have calmed down with this with the new Star Trek shows. Is that they they want to make it look so futuristic that sometimes they go a bit far with it, like pretending that stuff that we have in everyday life wouldn't exist anymore, or or overcomplicating. Yeah, or overcomplicating things just for the sake of making it look more futuristic and. It goes back to like what they did with Commander O's sunglasses, where they were like, "Well, sunglasses aren't going to have changed, you know. They yeah. they've got a hook over your ears, and they've got yes, to cover your sunglasses eyes. Are sunglasses. So exactly, yeah. We're not going with the silly visors that you've seen in some things, yeah. to make them look futuristic. So, that's not actually a practical design. And it it feels a bit like that. Like let let's say we've never heard of gasoline, and there's another bit of it later which we'll get to in a second but i like that we get this thing about tom being a, being a fan of classic vehicles because that is something that they stick with and that does yeah, come back again yeah. and again and yeah he's inter interested in this period of history yeah well that's the thing in this one it's all like vehicles but they do expand it don't they to be he's just really into the 20th century that's his, yeah. his thing which is cool i like that um, so they find the truck, and then Jane Wade's got very specific powers as well, where she's like, well, it smells of manure, horse manure, to be specific. Yeah, I presume that's... I mean, I'd say this is a farm truck. Yeah, because presumably she was... Was she raised on a farm, I think? Um, yeah, she does, she does mention it uh, later, that she... I don't think she was raised on a farm, but... Her family lived in sort of rural like agricultural yeah. areas. And, and her, her sisters or brothers were sort of encouraged to go out, yeah. out on the farm and she wanted to do and calculus. Would they still smell of horse shit after 400 years? Because that's, that's really um, lingering. Well, it's, it's also been frozen in deep space. That's true, that's true. We we, but, ne we never find out why it's in deep space, do we? It's like well, we, we know well, that these I aliens have been abducting always, people. Well, I'm assuming the, the the aliens that are kidnapping everyone just didn't like trucks, so they threw it out the window on the yeah, way. Yeah, because you get the guy later on who says, I was in my truck when I was taken, so I always equated that with, oh, this must be his truck. Yeah. But how did the truck end up in space? But he did anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like uh, the truck in space is just a hook 
to lead yeah, them to the... Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a cool visual to draw yeah. us into it, and uh, yeah, I like it. Like, I'm a bit... Like, we have where Tom's off to start it up, hmm. and he goes, it, it's a... Oh, internal combustion engine, and Harry goes, what, is this an old, uh, early form of horror car? So, yeah. no, you're a century too... Yeah, which means that. which means we shouldn't. We're not going to be too far from, you know, a years, maybe. Yeah, we might get there. We might see them. Um, well, we were meant to get them in twenty fifteen, weren't we? According to Back to the Future, but we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Um. So yeah, this is the other bit where they've got a bit of a silly line where Tom goes, uh, "There should be something called a key." Like, come on, you know what keys are like. Yeah. Even if you don't use keys as such, all the these do... other all these other planets you've visited. And they do have where they've got key cards to get into certain rooms. Yeah. And... and I'm sure we've we must have seen a key that opens a door at some point in Star Trek, but we'll I'd have to look. I, we'll, I'd we'll have to check it. But again, this is just another one of those silly oh we're so far in the future that we don't have keys. And yeah. Though I do quite like the bit where it backfires and Tuvok draws his phaser and everything. Like, that's all... That's all cool. Yeah, yeah. like, would it start after 400 years? Well, seeing as gasoline degrades after a couple of years? Ah, that's a good point, yeah. Maybe it's maybe it were diesel. Maybe it's because it's been frozen again. Yeah, being frozen. We'll put it down to being frozen, being in space, the car can start, it's fine. Yeah. And they turn on the radio... And they get this SOS call, and nobody recognises the Morse code, which is a bit weird, because we know Kirk knew Morse code. We, we know, know from Discovery we, that it's taught yeah, in First Year Academy. Exactly, so why don't we know Morse code? Like, and it it's unnecessary, like, that no one... Rec- they could have just had someone go, it sounds like Morse code, you know, yeah. something like that. But anyway... Yeah, it, it's it's actually really bad continuity, but that they don't know what yeah, Morse code is. It's and even if you don't know, like I don't know Morse code, but I know what SOS is because you know that's dot dot yeah. dot dash 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 dot dot dot. So I'd recognise that but anyway. Um, so then this is where we get to the landing the ship and everything, which is awesome. Though it does come with blue alert, which is a new one. So we have. Blue alerts for landing ships. We know what red and yellow alert are. Black alerts for your spa drive. So, few yeah. more alerts to remember. Um, yeah, I, like I'm quite happy that it's blue alert. That's yeah. something different. Yeah. Reminding me of Red Dwarf though. With the do we have to change the light bulb if it's blue alert? <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they find an old plane, and the plane's powered by an alien generator. Well. Just the radio, isn't it? It's just the radio, that's... yeah. Yeah. So they, that's been sending out the SOS and everything. And again, it's a cool visual of having this this old-style plane on an alien planet. Yeah, but why, like, why like had that. dumped the plane into outer space? Uh, maybe they didn't if mind. They don't, if, if they don't want old Earth vehicles around. Well, maybe it's just they didn't like, like you say, they didn't like the truck. They want a fan of Fords or something. Maybe. But Yeah. So they follow the power source and they find these humans who are in stasis and you have this thing where Janeway is really slowly reading the 
the name tag so that we get the big reveal that this is Amelia Earhart. And I think Amelia Earhart's a bigger thing in America because, like, I, I don't think I'd heard of her when I first saw oh, this I knew episode. Who it was. Yeah, I knew who it was. Yeah, like, but I mean, I think in America she's mo- almost like a cult, not cult, like a folk hero almost, you know. Yeah. She's yeah, a really she's important a lot, figure. Yeah, um, she's a lot more, fa- I'd say she's a lot more famous in America. Yeah. But I, at the time of when this came out, I was fully aware of of the history of Amelia. Or, right. You see, I never... Aware enough of the history of Amelia Earhart. See, I think they should have had... They should have had more, like, you know, more famous people who'd gone missing. Like, they should have had should have had Lord Lucan for the English audience and Shergar, yeah. the racehorse. Uh, well, they were trying to do it as... Like, they went... It was all just from 1937. You're right, yeah. So they wouldn't have the geezer from Manic Street Preachers who disappeared either. Like, no. they, could, they could have found him. But, yeah, so they're all from 1937 and they revive them and... The navigator bloke starts kicking off and he pulls a, a gun on them and everything. And there's some cool little sort of bits of history that get dropped. Like Harry Kim says Mars was colonised in 2103. So that's not bad because we've just had that, that probe this week in the real world, haven't we? That's Persever- Perseverance has been sending back some amazing... Oh. Some of the visuals. Have you watched of it. the London video? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's and been. Like, I, I, I watched uh, all the NASA conferences this last week. I've been. I really enjoyed that. Oh, sort yeah, it's of been stuff. great. And they were saying the. Um, I don't know if you know, but the cameras they've used are literally just off the shelf cameras, pretty much. Right. All they've had to. All they had to do was um, one part internal on the cameras they had to alter. Because it had um, exploded in zero gravity, in zero pressure. Yeah. So they had to take out one part. No, I mean it's it's been incredible and seeing like the shots went looking up at the sky and the way the stars look yeah. from Mars and uh, like uh, they've had like sounds from it. I mean, there's not a lot of sound because there isn't a lot going on on Mars, but you know we're hearing yeah. noises from other planets. It's just it's been crazy and like. It's one of them where now that we've seen seen it and seen what it looks like, you're like, oh, it's the wrong colour. That's not what it looks like in Total Recall. You know, we need to go back now and change all these films. But Well, it's a, the colour isn't all fully corrected either yet. Right. On Like, we've seen them. I don't know if you noticed, but one of the cameras that they've got on, the, the Z something, on... Part of where it uh, sort of practices its focus and everything on the actual rover. Yeah. They've put a colour palette. Ah, oh, right. So they, can, so they can correct all the colours to right. get all the colours exact properly. Okay, right. It, it's to do with like with the lighting and all that. that of course it is, yeah. It's a different atmosphere. And... All the colour and everything. Yeah, so no, it's been stunning. Correcting it all. But we, so we've got what? 76, yeah, where are we? 2021, so 70, 79, 80, 82 years then until we, yeah, we build this first colony. Yeah, I think we can <laughs> we can crack that, yeah. And I like... I'm, I know Leland's talking about 2050, but I think he's been a bit too ambitious. Yeah, maybe. We'll see, we'll see. Let's get... 
Let's get this virus sorted out and then yeah. we can start well, colonising other worlds. They've got a lot better at um, giving themselves more scope on the years until things happen. Like, if you look at the original series with Khan, yeah. by 1987, we were sending ships out to deep space. Yeah, true. You're right. They've been to Saturn and everything. And, and You're now, right. But yeah. now they've moved on. They did it with First Contact, where they made First Contact 2060. 64, is it? I, can't, I can never yes, remember. Something like that. I, can't remember exactly I know yet. I'll be 80 but, when it's <laughs> time. They've gone to a lot more distance. They have, the which is sensible. They're not say, sort of saying, oh, everything's going to happen within the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, exactly. People would be excited in the 60s because of the moon missions. Oh, and yeah. And the thing is, when they did it in the 60s with Star Trek, they didn't know that 50 years later we were going to be... Top. Like, they thought 1996 or whatever for Cam, they were like, well... No one's even going to remember we said that by the time that comes round, you know. But, yeah. Um, I like all the stuff with Janeway and Earhart. Like, maybe they overplay it a little bit. Like, oh, this is this strong woman pioneer. and But I like that the, the connection is there. That, like, you that, were I the like, trailblazer. Like Janeway says here that she had studied Amelia Earhart. Yeah. And she, had, and she was a hero of hers. Which is totally Which believable is, for... Very believable, but what isn't believable is the fact that Amelia Earhart is a hero of Janeway's from the 1930s, but Janeway knows absolutely nothing else about the 1930s. Yeah, that's like, true. She doesn't... Sort of vehicles to had and... Yeah, she doesn't know what a car is. Like She knows yeah. that Earhart flew a, a plane, but she didn't know yeah. that they had land vehicles as well. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a fair point. in the 1930s. No, no cars. Yeah, very good point. And, yeah, they, they, eventually they convince them to come and see Voyager because there is this thing of, well, we don't believe you from the future and blah, 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 blah. And then it appears that the aliens have come back. And there's a great bit with Tuvok where he's scanning and he's going, I'm picking up life signs. Then And he goes, they may be up there. And then they start firing on them from it. Like, a little bit more warning would have been good, Tuvok. <laughs> Like it, yeah, it looks like they might be since they're shooting at us from up there too. But well done. Um, but then, a bit away. Yeah, but then Janeway does a bit of a bit of a John Barnes shit. You know, the only way to beat them is get round the back. So she sneaks round the back and manages to turn the tables on them. And the reveal is that they're not aliens. These are these are humans, and we get the. The backstory, which I think this is really... Like, this could have been a film in its own right. Like, aliens are kidnapping people from 1937. Eventually, they rebel and they drive the aliens off and they build their own civilization. Well, that could be awesome. Now, now, they also say the aliens never came back, but they also mm. say there was only one ship. Yeah. And I wonder... If this was an alien civilization, or if it's like just a bunch of pirates, or yeah, or something that have done this, because it feels and, like uh, this species should get mentioned again, and they should come back. Yeah, it, it, they never do. Maybe that was when they introduced them in this. Maybe that was one of the thoughts of, well, we'll keep that in the back pocket because we can always bring these back, and that can be how they get home when we decide to send them home. So we'll. Like they yeah. did with the the second caretaker, like we've got that ready. I know they they do 
deal with that in season two, but it was always, right, we've got yeah, that one, good. we can pull that out when we need to. So, yeah, I, I'd be up for more of a story about these aliens and this war yeah, they fight like, against them. And I was thinking about this while doing this rewatch about these aliens, and I get, I get the feeling that this isn't an alien civilization mm. that goes out, that has gone out and kidnapped and brought them to be slaves. I get the feeling this is sort of like a rogue. Maybe, one yeah. Ship on its own, one set of crew that are, oh, I know, we, we'll, get the, we'll go here, we'll get these, these people and, and they can be our slaves. Yeah, and it's, it's elaborate, isn't it? Like, we're going to go to... Earth, which is the other side of the galaxy, well, and we're going to get it people. Also, it's like, well, it also begs the, the question: if they can do that, what sort of speed are they going? Is it are they using yeah. transport conduits uh, like the Borg do, um, so they can go from one end of the galaxy to the other almost immediately? And if you've developed that technology, what do you need slaves for? Really, like you, yeah, you know, it's. It's a bit like them aliens in TNG Times Arrow where they were like, well, we're going to steal cholera victims by going back in time to another yeah. another planet. And it's like, wow, okay, calm down, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's sort of like, what? well, you see, we've seen it in Star Trek Six where you need uh, human or you need people, whatever species, to do your mining. Yeah. So like with the Vidians, you need people to do the mining. Maybe there's, even in the far future, mm. there will never be a machine that can do mining. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's like, just, we, no. We've got nothing at all now that can, like, dig holes or anything. No, not to, not with the specificity. I know, like the channel tunnel. And... <laughs> I know we've got the channel tunnel, but, like, for mining to actually extract the minerals and stuff that yeah, you need, it's... it... There is a bit of finesse needed, but... Yeah, it, it does seem very... Yeah. I think it's just a, I think it's just a MacGuffin that you need um, a reason to have the slaves... Um, yeah, to get Amelia Earhart there and do this thing. And, like, she has some great scenes where she's chatting to, um, like, Tom about flying the ship and... Oh, stuff. bullshit, Tom. <laughs> Go on. Right. So Amelia's there, and she's going to him. Also, oh, what's the top speed? <laughs> I thought you might have something to say about and, this. And this is the pilot, and he goes, "Oh, our top speed is what nine point nine, which is bollocks. The top speed's nine point nine seven five, and it does make a big difference. It does, and it, yeah, and they do make and a big it, hoo ha of that. In your how you'd understand it, that's four billion miles per second. And um, what nine point nine? Is actually about 1.6 billion miles per second. <laughs> the top speed, what, 9.975, and this is why it does make a big difference because the speed yeah, curve yeah. is really steep, is um, 2.45 billion miles per second. Nowhere near 4 billion. No, because I thought that seems a bit. Yeah. Like, it, that, that it, seems a it bit high. You didn't know what the top speed of Voyager was. And it's almost doubled. Well, what it can be. this is. You should have the... been impressed with a million miles per second. Oh, you should have been impressed with a thousand miles a second, yeah. you know. But yeah, you're right. He's, yeah, he's trying to blag it. But 
maybe let's let's give Tom benefit of the doubt. Yeah, maybe, that maybe... fish he caught that time. Did you see the size of that? <laughs> yeah. Huge, I tell you, huge. Maybe they've said to him, <laughs> we're going to have people on the ship. If they ask you any questions, tell them a load of bollocks. Like, we, we don't <laughs> want you giving away the true statistics and everything of the ship. So, And then what it all leads to anyway, and it's a little bit of a cop-out, is they go, right, we're going to show you our wonderful cities that we've built, but we don't get to see them. Because yeah, all the budget's gone on landing the ship. Yeah. And the way Janeway talks about those ships, it's amazing. You know, they've developed the same way humans have developed and they've created these peaceful societies with this amazing technology. But they can't work out that these people are in stasis, not actually dead. They yeah. think that the 37s are all dead anyway. Um, and we don't but get to see the city. also said that it's been generations to, to, since anyone's even been into the shrine. True, yeah. They, they do treat it as a shrine. So... so, yeah, they just assume that they're dead. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, you could read that, them going, what, they're not dead, as, oh, we thought that was just a tomb, not a... And, and let's be fair that they haven't actually discovered any of the technology. They stole it from the aliens. True, true. But, yeah, so, okay. I'll let it go, so, I'll let it go. They probably only understand what they've actually stolen. Then cryotubes were there already. Yeah, you're right. Well, there it go. It's fine. <laughs> and um, So the big dilemma, and this is what you were talking about at the start of the episode, is uh, people can stay if they want to. They, there's a really good scene with Janeway and Chakotay saying, well, do I make the decision as the captain for the whole ship? Or do we let them choose? But then if we do let them choose, there's only do so many. If if more than if it leaves less than a hundred crew, we can't carry on anyway. Well so, Janeway goes that half the crew, doesn't she? If half of them go, yeah, but, but we'll be in trouble. And and Jacotti goes, No, if we if we go below a hundred, we're gonna struggle. Yeah, so it'd be a case of if we let the people choose and enough of them say they want to stay, we're all going to have to stay anyway because yeah. we can't... But, but she's also got the... Di- and it's Right, she goes, this is a big decision. Do we stay or do we go on what could be an impossible journey mm. for 70 years trying to get home? But do I let them... But if I let them make this decision, am I in a situation where yeah, every time be... there's a major decision, I, I put it up to a vote? Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's really interesting. And this is why this does feel like a season finale because it's, it, yeah. it is sort of coming full circle of the season. We're back with this dilemma of do we stay or do we go? And in the first episode in Caretaker, Janeway did make that decision unilaterally. And yeah. now we're letting the crew choose, and so it's a, it's a nice bookend to the first season to yeah, have this which, question, uh, like I, which is like I said, this would have been really nice to end it here, where she's informed the crew to make the decision and end this episode. Yeah, that would have been At the end interesting. of season one, and then you've got six months of obviously the season two coming, so they do carry on, but <laughs> yeah, but who who stays, who goes, and yeah, and. Like you could have actually done open season two with that half that so many of the crew do stay. Yeah. But then something happens and for some reason they have to go back and rescue them all. And or maybe, but even do it just to make it a bit realistic. Have a couple of people say, "No, I want to stay." Like, yeah. oh, 
maybe uh, Ensign Wildman would have been a good one to go, no, I'm going to have a baby, so I want to stay on a planet where I can raise my kid in these cities. And, yeah. you know, just something. It. I don't think we had to do the nobody wants to go. And it is a nice moment where they get to the thing and nobody's there and Janeway's heartened by it. But it wouldn't have been the end of the world if they'd have shown, no, there are a couple of people who do want to stay. It it mentions the marquee officer who started seeing seeing someone and and they've been getting serious and on the back settling down. So why couldn't we have that couple decide to leave? Yeah, that would have been really interesting. And even do it the other way, like have someone either from the 37s or from this planet go, well, actually, I'd like to come with you because our ancestors are from Earth and I've never been there. So that that would have been really, you know, and then you could have had a, if they'd have done it as one of the 37s, that would have been really fascinating. Let's have this character who... Yeah, four hundred years out of date and getting brought up could have been so much potential there, but it's just not how we did it with syndicated TV back in the nineties. You don't change up your cast. About I mean, obviously we bring Seven of Nine in and Keds goes later, but like to be fair, you do you do used to get a lot of shows that have cast changes between season one and season Mm. two to be. This person isn't working, or this person isn't working. Let's yeah. swap them. And you could have very easily done it with one of the main cast members gone. Well, they're not really working, so we'll leave them. They can be part of the people who stay, and we'll bring in the thirty-seven. We've got a new automatically. Yeah, it would have been interesting, but um, like who would who would we have got rid of? <laughs> well, Neelix, but. Neelix wouldn't have made sense. It'd have no, to be it wouldn't. One of the Starfleet ones. If it had to be one of the Starfleet officers, I would. At this point, I still think they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, Chicote, yeah. and I got rid of Chicote because I I never liked the character of Chicote. I think he had potential, as we've talked about. In I think he had a lot of potential in the first episode, and I think but, that it went downhill from there. Well, yeah, I think even by this point, he's just become a yes man for Janeway, yeah. and whatever intrigue he had, I think, has gone. Um, so, yeah, I'd have got rid of Chicote. I think I like Bellana, I like Tom, I think Harry's still got potential. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Tuvok. I wouldn't have minded I if don't Tuvok had gone. Sense for him to stay, but though. it wouldn't have done. No, um, I mean the one who'd have made most sense. Would it? I suppose Tom, but he's already on this journey to I'm redeeming myself and I'm gonna be yeah. a good Starfleet guy again. And, and Tom's already become. Tom very quickly was one of the most popular characters. I'll tell you who would have just within the fiction of the show who would have made sense, would have been Suda, because he knows that he's a murderer who's hiding on this ship. Yeah. So he'd have been like, actually, this is a good chance to get off this ship so I don't get yeah. rumbled. Um, but anyway, ultimately none of them go. But yeah, I, I do think this would have been better as the finale. I don't think it works as well as an opening episode, because it's like, okay, here's your season premiere, and people have got an option to go. It 
Yeah. It feels like an ending rather than the beginning of this episode, yeah. but I, th- I still think it's a pretty decent episode. So yeah, I, I it, this is an episode I've I've watched this episode so many times, and this used to be one of the episodes going back original run that I used to watch a lot over and over. Yeah, I think it's a good one. And like you say, the landing on the planet is awesome. The having Amelia Earhart's a cool a cool twist yeah. on it all, rather than it just being a bunch of nobodies. Um yeah, <coughs> I like it. So next time we're gonna we're gonna finish off the Vidians, aren't we? We're gonna look at the last couple yeah. of Vidian episodes. Yeah, like we keep saying, the Vidians are a great alien race. Really interesting premise with them. And there's only two more Vidian episodes. Yeah. We only did five episodes. So we're going to come back. We're going to look at... It's it's not Dreadnought. What's it called? Deadlock. Deadlock and... Um, Resolutions. Resolutions. Which is the the one we've we've referenced a few times with Chakotay. I think, I think it's... I think this is a possibly Chakotay's redeeming episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that, won't we, when we get there. Um... <laughs> So, deadlock and resolutions next time. Uh, if you yeah, want to get, I'm, I might have a drink uh, for next week's episode. I might, uh, might get myself. Might need um, a drink a before. Bit, a bit semi drunk. Yeah, might need. Because I think it. we could have some fun with, <laughs> with resolutions. Resolutions, definitely. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter. You can email us retrekpod at gmail.com or you can come and join us on the Facebook group search for Retrek. We'll be back next time to talk about Voyager. And thanks for trekking with us this time and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.